Get ready for brilliant people, brilliant ideas, and a regular good time. This is Brilliant Thoughts with Success People editor Tristan Almada, the show that thinks about how personalities, relationships, and communication shape business success. And now here he is, Tristan Almada. Now, for those of you that are keeping count, Brilliant Thoughts, this podcast is about one year old. And we just passed our birthday a few weeks ago with our first episode being Bishop T.D. Jakes and his daughter, Sarah Jakes Roberts. Now, we have Toure Roberts, Sarah's husband. He's our next guest because he's got an amazing book. Became one of my favorite books so far this year. It's called Balance. I really enjoyed reading it. And it was fun talking to him as we dive into spending time alone realizing that that's an actual blessing and finding your soulfulness. You're going to love this one. Welcome back, everyone. Another episode of Brilliant Thoughts, a success magazine podcast. And I've got my friend, Toure. What's up, man? How are you? I'm doing fantastic, Tristan. Good to see you, man. Excited about this conversation we're going to have. I'm, I'm pumped, man. I read the book. And first chapter in, I'm like, okay, well, first, hold on. I look at the cover and I'm seeing balance, right? Balance on it. And I'm thinking that because, you know, whether we want to or not, we judge books by their cover, right? And I'm thinking (laughs) balance and I'm like, okay, have I heard enough about balance or not? And I'm I'm curious just in my head, I'm thinking, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in. I'm reading, I'm reading. And the very first thing you hook me with like really good hook was you're on autopilot. Take your family off autopilot. And I was like, I'm in, let's do this because that's exactly what happens to a lot of us who are just doing the day to day. We wake up, we roll over. We're like, let's go to work, pick up the kids from school, come back home, go to sleep or watch Netflix, go to sleep. And then we do the same thing over and over again. And I'm like, that's it, man. You're so right. What did you mean? Because you give a great example on autopilot. What did you mean by get your family off autopilot? Well, well, when you are committed to success, when you are uh, an achiever, you might call it even an overachiever, you get into rhythms. And you know what? Rhythms, oftentimes they work, you know, because it takes a certain rhythm and a flow to get the type of breakthroughs you want in any area of your life. And that's wonderful. The only thing is sometimes when you get locked into a rhythm, you miss the scenery. And and, and it's the scenery that that ultimately is what undergirds your life, which, which feeds you energy, gives you everything that you need. And so in that particular part, you know, I talk about how, you know, we were just in autopilot. We were going and, and listen, we were succeeding. Everything was well, but we weren't succeeding in family. And uh, and and so you have to be sensitive enough to know when it's time to pump the brakes and come to a stop. Now, here is the thing. Stopping is hard. Some people think some people are trying to get off the ground and they think that getting off the ground is what is the most difficult. But I've discovered that what is more difficult oftentimes than getting off the ground is actually stopping and slowing down. And so uh, so so it takes faith. You have to believe that you can stop and your world will not come crashing down, particularly if you're stopping for the right reasons, like family mm-hmm. and marriage. Yeah. That's a good point, man. How, how did you get to that awareness? Like what happened for you to realize, hey, I actually need to slow down? Mm-hmm. I, I realized that um, I have two bests, <laughs> and this is going to be really interesting. I think all of us have two bests. We, we have our best based on where we are at any given time. And then we have our best when we are balanced. And our balanced best is actually so much greater than our actual best. For example, I was writing balance and I had gotten halfway through the manuscript to balance. And I sent it to my agent and my agent looked at, looked at it and she was honest, honest enough to say to me, Torre, this is not your best. Now I'm thinking to myself, yes, it is. I'm working hard. You know, I'm doing the research. I'm I'm studying. I'm not taking any days off. But she was right. 
she had seen my balance best. She had seen me when I was at the top of my game, when I was aligned, when I was in my flow. And so she was right. That wasn't my best. Now, it was the best based on where I was. And what I needed was to stop. I needed rest. I needed uh, restoration. I needed a whole bunch of things to manifest my best. So it just took a little bit of pain and a little bit of insight to realize that sometimes you think that you you stopping will make you not productive. But the reality of it is, if you stop and get what you need, you'll be even more productive. Very true. I loved when you said that. And you also mentioned that balance is a place, right? Mm. Can, can you explain that? Because I loved that, man. I, I, I When I circled that whole thing, I was like, yes, this is it. Good job. Absolutely. Well, most people think that balance <clears throat> is a discipline, you know, uh, if, if, if I can employ these dis- disciplines, call it work-life balance, you know, call it whatever you want to call it. If I can employ some discipline, then I will be balanced. But I, I realize that that's a fallacy. And that's why most people believe, well, no, I won't say most people, but a good number of people believe balance is a myth. They don't even believe it's, it's, it's achievable. And, uh, and so what, what I, the way that I define balance is it's not a discipline because, listen, I can't you know, if balance was about a discipline, you know, hey, divide yourself up between marriage, between, you know, uh, raising your children, between work, then basically what you're saying is you're going to give 20% here, 30% there, 20% there. And you, you can't do that. I can't give 20% to my wife. I won't be married. I can't give 20% to my work, my investors. Are you kidding me? They'll never sow another die into what I'm doing. So it's not a discipline. It's a state of being. It's a place. And I call it a place. Because it's, it's a state. It's a state where my thoughts are clear. It's a state where, where my, my, my spirit, soul, body is rejuvenated. It's a state where I am rested. I'm not, I'm not hustling to get something. Mm-hmm. I, I, I am in this state of rest, which allows me to work hard because I know it's there. Uh, it's a place of abundance. And I think that, that when you arrive at balance, then everything that you touch will thrive. And so, so I, I like to put it this way, you can do all things well, you just can't do all things well at the same time. And so if you're in this state of balance, then you will be sensitive enough to know what to pour into and when to pour into it. I like that. I think the, the one thing that was very clear, and you talk about this later in the book uh, for priorities, when you're, when you're at this place, balance, the priorities are clear, right? You're like, I got it. Absolutely. And I loved that, mm-hmm. man. And I was reading through it and I was thinking, all right, this this is why I asked you about awareness. Like, how did you get to that place to, to be self-aware of that? And, mm-hmm. and then you bring up self-awareness and then you also bring up soul awareness. And I was like, dude, <laughs> what the hell is this? I never even heard of this, which was beautiful. So can you explain what soul awareness is, please? Absolutely. You know, soul awareness is self-awareness to the deepest level. First of all, I am so thrilled that self-awareness has become a buzzword in, in business and in culture. People are realizing that they have to be in touch with where they are, what they do and why they do it. I think that that's absolutely wonderful. But there's another level. There's another level. Soul awareness speaks to you being aware at the deepest part of yourself, at, at, at the soul level. It is the most authentic version of who a person is. Self-awareness is, is wonderful. And, and it is soul awareness is self-awareness, but it's just deeper. Sometimes the things that we're doing, sometimes the things that are driving us, sometimes the things that we need and crave, we need and crave at the soul level, not the self level. And so if you don't perceive, if you can't, and we can talk about how to get to that soul, but if, but if you can't perceive what your soul needs, what the deepest part of you needs, then you're going to be trying to satisfy the longings of your soul with things that are at the surface level of your life. And so so your soul needs love. Your soul needs affirmation. Your soul needs these things. And you're like, oh, I need to buy a new car. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because because I, I am I, I haven't tapped in. You, you feel me? Oh, I need a new car. You know, and then you get the new car and it's wonderful. And, and, uh, and in about a week, you're like, I need something else. So, so soul awareness is really tapping into the depths of who you are, and it requires another level of discipline to do so. 
And I, I can just tell you right now that the main level of discipline to get to soul awareness is to silence the noise, the silence, the noise. It, it is life is so noisy. And, and, and the problem is noisy has become normal. What do you do when noise becomes normal? Noise is, is normal and stillness feels weird. When nothing is going on, you've been there before. When, when you, you've, you've checked off all the boxes, you know what I mean? And you've got the rest of the afternoon and you start twitching. <laughs> you start, yeah, you know, you, it's too quiet. And so you try to fill it up. But that's yeah. the perfect time to settle into that stillness. Tap into your soul and maybe you'll find out something about yourself you'd never considered. You talk about the noise and you you talk about just general noise, how technology, you, you mentioned in the book, technology is just everywhere, which has made the, mo- uh, the noise more prevalent for us. And then you also talk about this other noise that I don't often hear people write about. Mm. And that's the noise at night. Like, and, and I think, remember, our audience here is mostly business owners, entrepreneurs. And I think... Mm-hmm. That as entrepreneurs and business owners, we all have that voice at night that says, you're not going to make it. What are you doing? Uh, you're not spending enough time with your family. You're just, you're kind of a loser. Uh, and mm-hmm. that's the noise that's like so dangerous. And we all get it, man. What is that voice? And how do we start working on overcoming that? Mm-hmm. Well, well, I believe it. And depending on what your, your, your spiritual or uh, psychological philosophy is, that noise can be anything. That's why I call it night. I want it to be universal. Uh, if you're a spiritual person and you subscribe more to the Judeo-Christian uh, values, and that would be the devil or Lucifer or what have you, um, more uh, universal principles would be resistance at various things. But there's something that all of us can agree that there's always something that is very anti-us, that attempts to encroach, encroach upon the shores of our happiness, our peace, and our contentment. Uh, and you know it's an external factor because why would you be anti-you? That, that doesn't make sense for you. You, you know what I mean? So where, where did you get the anti-you you know, uh, energy and, and, and thoughts from? And so, and so it, it, it is noise. And you're, you're right. It's self-degrading. Uh, you are not enough is is one of the big things. Uh, you you you're successful, but you're a terrible husband, you know, or you, you're you know all yeah. these things that come at you. And, and and the biggest one is that you are not enough. You just for you are not enough. And uh, and the the beautiful thing about stopping and the beautiful thing about balance is balance puts you in an environment where 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 truth, affirming truths about who you are and about your life. Uh, are, are commonplace. Uh, stopping is important because sometimes those thoughts are so natural and normal that mm-hmm. we can't tell the difference between those thoughts being our thoughts or those thoughts coming from a place uh, outside of ourselves. Uh, I am a firm believer in taking inventory on taking inventory of the thoughts that I think. I, I believe that mm. my mind, my mind, is precious real estate. It, it is prime real estate. And, and you are going to have to be a worthy thought to take up the precious and prime real estate of my thought life. Ooh, and so like here in the, these new terms, <clears throat> mindfulness, and, and although there are a number of definitions of mindfulness, for me, what mindfulness is, is minding, minding what you are minding. <laughs> so being mindful of what's on your mind and controlling it, regulating it. I can't have any squatters in my real estate. How do we get there, though? Because mm-hmm. I, I think that's probably. I'm, I'm talking through with you. I, oh, I, I see a lot question. of dude, a lot of people are just stuck in, at night. They have like these night sweats. They have anxiety, and then they fall into like deeper anxiety. Mm-hmm. How do we stop this well, thing, dude? Well, it's about it's about what you ruminate on. We none of us can keep a negative, self defeating thought from coming our way. It just, we have no control over that, but we can take control over the thoughts that we allow to stay, to remain. So for me, I believe in countering the negative thoughts with having fixed positive thoughts. Here's what I mean. I think it's too late. I think, I think that if you don't have, you know, I have these, I am statements 
And I rehearse those I am statements every single day. And the reason why I rehearse those I am statements every single day before the negative thought comes is if you're trying to find something positive after the negative thought has come, you're too late. Negative, it's too strong. Yeah. You, you, oh, these thoughts, I'm not enough. And now I'm like, oh, I am. A, no, you're, you're too late. You, you, you weren't disciplined enough to, uh, to, to preempt you know, the, the onslaught with a strategy. So many people don't live life with a strategy. If you know that at night, for example, you're going to wake up anxious in the middle of the night, thinking about work, thinking about whatever, mm-hmm. then before you go to sleep, you are going to have to feed yourself with positive I am statements. There, I, I don't go to sleep at night without affirming myself into a place of gratitude, into a place of self-value, giving myself a head start <laughs> on the onslaught of negative thoughts that may attempt to come at night. Mm. So you have so you have to make a habit of telling yourself who you are before the noise of night does it for you. Dude, you're planning ahead. You're planning ahead to 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 fight against against the thoughts, against almost against yourself. It's like I, I'm going to put a stand here. So, what are your? I know it towards the end of the book. I remember reading it through, and you have like this process. Uh, these are these are the things that I have to go through. I want to get to that because that was awesome. But I want to know, talking about your I am statements. Is there mm-hmm. a nightly routine that you that you go through that you can help out and tell us, hey, this is what I do, just to give an insight? Exactly. So the, my, my I am statements, and I do them before uh, any meeting, any meeting that is, you know, unique, unusual, unfamiliar. And each of those I am statements, and, and it, it is infinite. I have my basic ones, but it's infinite. But I choose the words I am and then blank based on what my what the common negative thought is. And so if, uh, if the, this is very basic, but if the, the negative thought is I'm not enough, then my I am statement is I am enough. If the negative thought is you're not smart, then my I am statement is I am brilliant. So, so you have words that counter that, that are the opposite that counter what your, uh, what your typical, uh, mental attack is. And so you have to be intentional about it. And, and that's why you have to have a strategy for living. Strategy isn't just for, for business and for work. No, you have to have a strategy for your life because as goes you, so goes your work, so goes your marriage, so goes your relationship with your kids, etc. So it's about having a strategy. Dude, all right. So as goes you, so goes everything else that you touch or you're involved in. Let's talk about that because I underlined a section in the book, and I'm just going to read it to you. It says, once I broke free from the guilt of being good to myself, I embraced the me time as a blessing. I was like, dude, yes, you you verbalized what I'd been thinking. I just never put it into words. I was like, oh, that's exactly what I've been thinking all these years. That was so good. And it goes into, this is why it's important, because it affects everything you touch, but mm-hmm. it's true. I mean, every everyone has that guilt. Like, should, shouldn't I be doing something for somebody else instead of time mm-hmm. for me? Go into that, mm-hmm. man. That was beautiful. Oh, it, it was a great epiphany for me. And you're quoting from the chapter, there's no team and I, which is a obviously a, a dig at the whole popular phrase, there's no I in team. And, yes. and you're right. We do feel guilty. You know, I, I went through a phase in my life where, you know, I needed my mind, my heart, my soul, my everything needed time away. And I used to take time away. But first of all, it would it would take me, you know, weeks to, to, to actually feel like I had permission to take time away because, well, you're going to be away from your wife. You're going to be away from your kids. You're going to be away from your staff. You're going to be away from your work, you know. And, and so all those things are going to suffer. Because you took time away to yourself. And I realized that it was actually the opposite. Because when I did return, I was more engaged with my wife. I was more engaged with my children. I had more creativity in my work. I was more, uh, I I was a better leader to my staff. And so actually, it was the opposite. I was actually doing them a disservice by not taking care of myself. And so after a while, you know, my, my kids would say, Daddy, why do you got, have to leave? You know, and my wife would be like, OK, well, hurry up, honey. But the version of me that they got back 
when I walked back through those doors after prioritizing myself made it worth it. My staff right now, they love to send me away because I come back with new ideas. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm on fire. So they're like, no, so Torre, go, boss, go, please get away. Because when you come back, we're going to go to another level in our organization. And so that's it, funny. It's, it's, it's breaking out of the guilt. At this point, do they know that, do they know that, like, oh, you know what? It's time, Torre, it's time. You, you need some time alone. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's what you want to do. You, you want to, now, let me tell you something. When you take the time, make sure that you get what you need. Don't take the time and then work. Don't, don't take the time and then, because then you come back and, and you don't, there's no deliverables. So when I take the time away, yeah. I actually stop. I get still. I do the work. So when I come back, I've got something to show for the time away. Yeah, it's very reminiscent of, of just these, these high achievers taking time to just think deeper, right? And, and just rediscover mm -hmm. themselves, spend time alone with themselves, going deeper mm -hmm. into whatever else they want to discover. I think you, you, have a, you have a section in the chapter, I don't remember, but I remember it because it, it reminded me of Han Solo, just the name. But it's the power <laughs> of Solo. That's how I remembered it, okay? Ah, uh, yes, yes. And, and I think we have, uh, as a society, this misconception that, that being alone mm -hmm. is bad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and well, maybe, maybe not introverts. Introverts probably love it, right? <laughs> but um, for the most part, you get questions like, why, why are you alone? Or should, mm -hmm. shouldn't you go out and, and talk to people and mingle? And, mm -hmm. But the way that you wrote this into the book was gradually so effective for me reading mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And I thought, man, this... This makes a lot of sense as to the power of being alone. But my oh, yeah. question is this. When we're alone, how do we capitalize on taking advantage of that? Where do we start? Mm -hmm. I think you have to start by seeing being, being alone as a blessing and not a curse. Somehow, I don't know where it happened, but somehow... Alone, alone became a negative thing. You see somebody all alone and you want to go and help them. You want to go in there. They're all alone drinking coffee and you want to go and you and you want to drink. You know, they need me to come and heal them, cure them <laughs> from their deprived state of alone. But here is the thing that the, the original old English word that where, where, where we get our current word alone from is from a phrase. And it's the phrase Al-Ana. And the phrase Al-Ana literally means all one. It has no negative connotation to it whatsoever. It means all one. So being alone is what creates the environment for you to become all one, no longer fragmented, no longer all over the place to become all one or whole. So it's a positive thing. There's certain things that can only happen for you and in you when you are alone, you appreciate being alone and you enjoy yourself. So I believe that it starts with perspective. I think the other thing is, is curiosity, um, being curious about you, uh, believing that there is something uniquely inherent and beautiful in you. And, and, and it has to do with what you like and what you enjoy and your passion and your thoughts. And so, and so not looking down on yourself, but looking at yourself with wonder and fascination. You know, who am I really? Because I, I, I know that I'm more than where I'm at, right? If, if I'm still breathing, then that means that life has better things in store for me. And so, uh, so I, I just believe, you know, I talk to single people all the time and, you know, and I say, listen, being alone is not a curse. It, 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 it is the environment that allows you to become all of yourself. And then I believe that when you become all of yourself, you're better positioned to give yourself to a new career, to a new uh, entrepreneurial pursuit or to a new individual. But you have to know who you are, be comfortable with who you are and become all of who you are out on a all one. I love that, man. And I was going to, I feel like you just peeked into my notes and you just, that was, that's where I was heading because that was perfect. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about this noise and, mm. and 
the inability for us to now concentrate on just ourselves, like like you're saying, right? This this mm-hmm. this deeper self, and I find that just my iPhone, the computer, Netflix, news, notifications, all mm. of these things, I feel like because we don't start with the mindset, like you just indicated, that alone is a blessing, we feel like mm-hmm. we have to fill it. Like you said at the very beginning, like you get jittery and you're like, oh, I should do something, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I love that. It does start with the mindset, man. You're so right. We have to start looking at alone time being time that we need to reflect and and really retrospe- have retrospect as to where we're mm. at. I have a question, though. With this alone time and, and being with a spouse or a loved one, like a relationship, how mm. important is it? to also have this similar alone time with your spouse or with that significant other? How important is that? I think that's important, but I do think they're two, two different things. Yeah. Um, because uh, I, I, I love um, my wife is my best friend in the whole world. And I, I love her company. I, I know, you know, there's the old saying, uh, the ball and chain. I don't know anything about that. You know, she doesn't <laughs> weigh me down. I'm sorry, you know, if that's your testimony, then maybe, you know, maybe you need to do something different or yeah. go to counseling or whatever. It's just not my, that's not my story. Uh, however, uh, and, and, and we have fascinating times together. We, we've got a vacation coming up soon that we're excited about. However, uh, I still need me time uh, and she still needs her time. I, I think that um, the individual solo time that we commit to taking is what makes our collective times, our, our, our couple time, all the more. We have more to talk about. Hey, honey, this is what I found out about myself when mm. I spent these two. Oh, really? Wow. Well, I got this. And now we're, watch this. Our relationship can go deeper because we've gone <clears> deeper <throat> within ourselves individually. And so we have more to offer one another. If we're not soul aware, uh, if we're not self-aware and, of course, a deeper level of being soul aware, we can mm-hmm. we have less to offer to the other because there, there's there is untapped territory within us. Mm-hmm. But as I take my solo time and she takes her solo time and we become all one, these two Aoana beings come together now and we have a relationship now that mm. is all one that is complete. I like that, dude. That's good. You you know what? Your next book should be on relationships, man. That was good. I like that. It's coming. It's that was coming. good. All right. So you mentioned fasting. And when I was reading fasting, uh, I, I was thinking, I, I fasted before in the past, it, it, uh, religiously and not religiously, right? And mm-hmm. I, I was thinking through how I've fasted and reflecting on that. And I'm like, I didn't do it like you're talking about here, which was great. Mm-hmm. I, I learned a lot from your book, man. So great job. It's Thank you. Fast, Thank you. Fasting is more than just saying no to the unprofitable. It's about saying yes to a process. And, mm-hmm. and I thought that, that's interesting because a lot of the times we're taught growing up that fasting is just really just saying no, right, to certain mm-hmm. things. And mm-hmm. I, I'd never taken a look at actually digging deeper that way, man. So can you expand on that so so our listeners can understand what that means? For sure. So we know that the fundamental discipline of fasting is about denying. We know the denial part. I'm I'm not going to eat this. I'm not going to, you know, if if it's a television fast, I'm not going to watch this. And and that's that's part of it. But that's only half of it. Why are you not going to eat this? Why are you not going to watch this? If, if, If your whole objective is restraint, then you've missed the beauty of fasting. The beauty of fasting uses restraint and the elimination of one thing to bring you into the awareness and the experience of another thing. So I'm not fasting to keep from, I'm fasting to get to. And, and, and when you are motivated by this process of becoming whole, uh, uh, becoming more soul aware, uh, becoming more restored. First of all, it makes fasting exciting, you know, because I'm not depriving myself. 
I am reviving myself and I'm bringing myself into a dimension of existence that mm -hmm. whatever I am refraining from was actually uh, keeping me from. It was, it was taking up the space in my life that something good could occupy. Got it. Do you, when you do these, these times where you dig deeper into yourself, into alone, alone time, right? Mm -hmm. Do you, mm -hmm. do you also sometimes fast like actual fast and just, does that, does that enhance your alone time? Yeah. And it, and it, and it, and it, and it varies. You know, one of the things about the, these disciplines is that there are no set disciplines. In other words, what you need in one season might be different from what you need in, in another season. And so, so soul, your soul has a desire and a direction. Uh, your, your soul longs for balance. It longs for that, that oneness. And it knows what it, what it's going to take for you to get there. So some days it is food. I, I'm leaving, you know, I'm, I'm skipping breakfast and lunch, you know, maybe even dinner at some time. Sometimes it's like you can have a bowl of cereal or whatever, but turn off the television or shut down social media for a while. So this, this awareness helps you to tap into that internal, what I'd like to call a divine compass that, that mm -hmm. guides you to what you need at any given point in time. So it varies uh, from moment to moment what you need. And that's why, you know, the, the challenge with doing things religiously, and I know that, that, that religious people and other, otherwise pride themselves on doing things religiously. The, the only problem with that is that sometimes what you need changes. Sometimes what you need in a particular given moment mm. is not to, to meditate. You know, sometimes it's a bike ride. <laughs> you, you know, so, sometimes it's not uh, to go through, you know, your holy book or wh whatever it is that you're using, mm. you know, about whatever it is, you know, balance. I'm not calling balance a holy book, but I think it's a great book. But, but sometimes mm. what you need shifts. It might be a walk in the park. It might be a drive in the car. So you have to get in touch with yourself at the deepest level, at the soul level, to be able to perceive what is needed and when. Dude, it's funny that you're bringing this up right now because we just interviewed Tony Horton, P90X. You remember P90X, mm. right? Oh, yes. He, he, at the end of the podcast, he mentioned, he mentioned uh, a mindfulness list. And it, it feels very reminiscent of what you're saying now because sometimes if we're not as aware as as you're writing in the book right and i think it's a journey for for a lot of us right mm -hmm. just to start with the ability to to have a list of something to go to to get you there mm -hmm. sometimes picking from that can help so that that's really good dude you guys are are aligned in that very interesting very interesting oh, yeah. one all right, so let's go into rest. You tell a story. It's a biblical story about a fishing lesson. And I loved it because I shared it with my wife the other day. I was like, oh, you got you to listen. Can you tell us that story? Because I loved it, man. The fisherman. Yeah. So, so that chapter is called The Gift of Rest. And the, the, it starts off with me saying that every significant dimensional um, accomplishment, things that just put me in another stratosphere, work, relationships, whatever, finances, whatever, it all happened not when I was stressing or toiling or hustling or trying to get it. All of those things happened when somehow I found myself in this place of rest, not physical rest, but spiritual, emotional, the spiritual and emotional posture of rest that says I have already. I'm not trying to get, I'm not in from a deficit place I have already. And the story I talk about is a story in the New Testament where, where uh, Peter is, his, his work, his career, he's a fisherman, he's an entrepreneur, and he has toiled all night and he has caught nothing, absolutely nothing. And, uh, and then Jesus engages him and Jesus says, hey, you know, let's launch out. You know, he, he basically, Jesus basically uh, employs him. I don't think he gives him any money, but he says, hey, you got this boat. I, I need to go out here. So he takes his mind off of work. And of course, if he's with Jesus, Jesus is talking to him about things that are beyond natural things, spiritual things. He gets his mind off of his need. And so while they're out there, Jesus says, oh, by the way, put, put your net down over there. And he just drops his net down. And all of a sudden, the net comes up with so much fish, so many fish 
that the, it, the, it, the hall begins to break the nets because it was so much. And the only, and he was in the same ocean. He was in the same area. He had the same boat, same tools, same net. The only difference was his posture, his posture of rest. And so the idea is mm-hmm. that everything you need is already there. And when you learn to stop toiling from a deficit or poverty mentality, but you start working from an abundance mentality saying everything that I need is there. All the relationships that I need are there. The, 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 the skill, everything that I need is there. Let me just rest, breathe, take it all in, believe that it's there. And then when I move forward, I'll be, able, I'll be just like Peter and take in this hole that I, I can't even, I, I'll need two or three nets to, to bring in. Yeah, I kept on thinking uh, about relationships, how people that are looking for that perfect person in their lives, they keep on looking, pushing, oh, this one might be the one, this one might be the one. And yet when they're not looking is when it happens. That's what I kept that's, on thinking of. That's absolutely, I mean, that's my story. You know, when, when, um, when mm. I finally, you know, you talk about being alone, you know, I had a, a breakup after a 17 year relationship, 17 year marriage. Uh, and I didn't know how to be alone. I, you know, we got married when I was very young. And you know, so from, you know, I, we were dating since I was 18. So all these years I had somebody, I had somebody, I had somebody. So we broke up and I didn't know how to be alone. And I ended up kind of dating a, a few people here or there. And I knew that it wasn't right, but I didn't know how to be alone. And finally, after a few just bad ideas, <laughs> you know, I made up my mind, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Uh, and I, I made up my mind. I said, you know what? I'm going to out honor. I'm going to be good all alone. I'm going to become myself. My first book was coming out. I'm going to focus on my first book. And I went to this place of rest. I didn't date anyone. The options were there. I turned it all down, didn't date anyone. And I meet Sarah, who incidentally had done the same thing recently. So it wasn't, you know, I got to find somebody. I got to get somebody. No, it's when you are content, you believe Mm. that what life has for you is for you, that it shows up. And it's amazing. And And we've been, you know, there hasn't been one day that has passed where we have regretted that decision. Dude, you both came from a place of rest, right? Going yes. deep in reflection and then meeting. That's that's a perfect example. That's awesome. Exactly. I love that. All right. You mentioned 90% no. And, but my question is this, because I, I was like, okay, I'm going to read this. For, by, by, by the way, my first thought was like, okay, I'm not sure about this one. Let's Let's go <laughs> into it. That was my first thought, okay? And I'm reading it. I'm like, okay, it makes sense. But now my question is, does 90% no apply to everyone or mo- most people at every stage of their life or is 90% no only at certain stages? I love that question. I, I, first of all, the 90%, although I do believe it's true at, at many levels, was for dramatic effect. And the 90% rule in that chapter, the power of no is to say that we should be saying no to 90% of the things that come our way and, ten, and only 10% to yes, because ultimately our yes is so expensive, we have to preserve it. Now, mm-hmm. here, here is the thing. When uh, I'm going to say yes and no to your question. 90% no, yes, because you have so many things coming at you. All of them may not be a formal invitation, but they are an informal invitation to think about this, to think about that. Just think about if you're on social media, you're scrolling on your timeline. All of those are introductions to think away, you know, to, to believe away, to feel away. Think about it. if you scroll on your timeline on your homepage and you scroll through 30 different feeds, it mm-hmm. is possible for you to have 30 different reactions, 30 different emotions. Uh, one thing, you're going to feel sad. The other, you're going to feel happy. The other, you're going to feel insecure because you wish your abs were like that or your shape was like that. You know, all, you know, you've been spying these, on me, man. You, you, you know what I mean? You, you have all of these different, watch this offerings, all these different invitations. And so 90, so I say yes in that it may not be a formal invitation, but it might be an invitation to bring you into some sort of mentality that may not serve you. And so you have to learn how to leave that there and only receive the 10%, the small fraction of things that are related to your purpose, related to your, your mental, emotional, spiritual well-being, et cetera. Now, I'll say no in that when you get to a certain level in life, like myself and you and others who are successful, and you have teams around you, 
By the time a request gets to me, it has it has been vetted through so many different layers of people that by the time it gets to me, it is probably 50-50. You understand? Because you have built yeah. a system around you that helps to filter. Now, I think that everyone, whether you are successful, you have a staff or not, ought to build a filter around you in some way. And fasting could be that filter. A limited amount of time on social media could be that filter. There should be some filter that automatically tells things no so that you don't always have to. What's your filter? Yeah. What, what, have, what, have you, what, have you, what, what have you set up in your life to restrict the number of thoughts, ideas, unprofitable things so that you have the ability within yourself to invest yourself in the things that matter the most. Damn, that's good, man. Because that goes back. I don't know if you realize this, but that goes back to the very beginning with your I am statement. You're filtering yes. exactly what to tell yourself when it gets there. That's that's awesome. Wow. And I think there was one sentence, and I'm going to read this through. I have the privilege of having the book in front of me. You don't. So I'll just read it. Okay. <laughs> Please uh, do. It, it isn't your no that limits you. It's your yes. And I, I just uh-huh. played that over and over and over. And in my life, it's totally true. Everything I commit uh-huh. myself to, I'm like, oh, that means I can't do this and this and these other opportunities are no more. I have Absolutely. to perform here. So that, that was totally right on, man. At first, oh, yeah. just so you know. I didn't agree with you at first. I was like, I'm not sure. And then at the end, I was like, okay, damn He's it. Right. You were right. That was right. That was right. It was so yeah. on point, man. So on point. Good well, job Trisha, on that. You, you, thank you, brother. Listen, your, your yes is expensive. That, that's why you have to protect it. it. It's so valuable because when you say yes, you're committing yourself. You're committing your time, your energy, your effort, your availability. And watch this. And when you say yes, you are telling some unknown thing no. And the problem is because you, you can only be available to one thing. You can only be if, if I, when I say yes, I have just committed my availability, which means that I have also committed an unavailability to something. And I don't know what that something is. That something that I just made myself unavailable for might have been the thing that I've been working for, went to school for, investing for, praying for, whatever for. You know, and so so my yes is expensive and I'm only going to give it out when I know and I feel like I'm going to be able to get a return on the investment of my yes. Don't you ever. Don't you ever have a fear like when you say yes to something you're like, but if I say yes to this. Right. What? What? what, Because I'm I'm thinking as you were talking, I'm like, I have a fear sometimes. I, and I think that you should. I don't know if I would go so far as to call it a fear, but I, I would I would make it a deep consideration uh, if I say particularly when you have that little feeling in your gut, in your mm-hmm. instinct that you probably shouldn't do it. Pay attention to that, because that might be your soul trying to tell you, hey, if you say yes to this, you're going to miss out on this. You got to pay attention to it. So I, you know, I like to liken saying yes to handing out $100 bills. You know, you wouldn't just go out walking down the street handing out $100 bills. Why? Because they have value to you. So your yes has to have that same type of value because your yes could cost you money. That's funny. That's true. Now I have that vision. (laughs) That's funny. Unless I'm a like massive YouTuber. Right, right, right. (laughs) That's funny. All right, Rhythm, you brought it up at the very beginning of our conversation. You said uh, you're, you're locked into this rhythm, right? And all of a sudden, you don't see the scenery. I'm just going back mm-hmm. to my notes. Mm-hmm. And you bring up rhythm throughout the whole book. And I mm-hmm. loved it because I've never really seen balance being like a rhythm, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. First, where'd you get that? And then I'll ask you my second question. Where, where did the whole idea of rhythm come from? You know, I think that everything has a rhythm. I think that life has a rhythm. I think that the, even the way that the, the universe and, and the, the solar system is moving and everything, everything has a rhythm. Timing is about rhythm. You know, dancing is about rhythm. Communicating is about rhythm, you know, rhythm and flow. And so, and so there is a rhythm to it. And, um, and so, and I just sense that when, when I feel like I am in balance and aligned in balance, I'm in a rhythm. And, and, and what's cool about that is that the people that you're supposed to run with are in that same rhythm too, right? You, you guys are yeah. moving at a certain pace, a certain rhythm. When I met my wife, 
we were both moving at a certain rhythm. And that's how we were able to see each other. Because if you're in a rhythm and somebody else is in a rhythm, it's not going to work. Right. In fact, you won't even if, if you're in a rhythm and they're in a rhythm, you guys won't even meet up. You guys may pass by each other, but not even see each other because you're you're consumed in that rhythm. So I think that balance is a rhythm. And sometimes you get locked into autopilot. I didn't notice there's a difference between a rhythm and autopilot, you know, and sometimes you get locked into autopilot, which means that you're tapped into an old rhythm and that might not be relevant to where you are now or what you're now needs. And so you have to stop, get still again, listen for the rhythm of the soul, because the rhythm of the soul is going to put you back into the rhythm of balance. When we fall out of that rhythm, and it's okay to fall out of that rhythm, you, you, you indicate that. How do you get back into it? Because a lot of us have this guilt again, going back to guilt. It's mm -hmm. like, well, I should be able to jump right back into it. And then it's like, mm, no, it's going to take a while. <laughs> mm -hmm. How do you get back into this rhythm? You have to, first of all, know that you can. You have to know that you can. So you can't be so stressed out like, oh, I'm never going to find the rhythm again. You you can. It, it, it's there. You haven't lost it. It's like a, pul <clears throat> a pulse that's faint. But if you're alive, the pulse is still there. You just have to put your finger in the right place to feel feel the pulse. And so mm -hmm. you stop. If I'm trying, you know, when you're at the doctor and the doctor's trying to feel your pulse, you know, you notice he stops talking and you stop talking and he'll, he'll put that thing on you and he'll just kind of like, wait, and he'll get real, he'll get real still. And then he'll find that rhythm. And that's what we have to do. We have to get real still. We have to still ourselves, shut some things down, tell some people, no, tell some things, no, Hey, you know what? I'm out of rhythm right now. And that's not good. Yeah, because if I am out of rhythm, I can't move. I'm stagnant. And so let me pause. Hey, I'll, I'll call you back. Hey, I need to cancel this meeting. You know, reschedule that meeting for next Wednesday, not today, because I'm out of rhythm. I got to get my rhythm back. And Ooh. so you pause, you pause, you stop, you work your disciplines. Remember, your life is being governed by strategy. So you've got some disciplines. You've got some I am statements. You know, maybe uh, there's fear driving me right now. And I didn't know it. It used to be abundance driving me. But somehow I got locked into autopilot and didn't realize that the driver of my ship changed from abundance to fear. And so let me let me work my disciplines. Let me do let me do. Uh, a diagnostic on myself emotionally, spiritually, uh, psychologically to see where perhaps I have gotten out of alignment. Let me make that adjustment. I make that adjustment. All of a sudden the rhythm starts coming back. Oh, there it is. All right. I'm flowing again. My creativity is flowing again. My innovation is flowing again. My my love, my patience is flowing again. My leadership is flowing again. So you got to stop. Go back to the disciplines. Go back to your strategy. Make sure that everything is the way it's supposed to be and you'll find your rhythm again. How do you keep consistent to stay within your highest rhythm? Mm -hmm. I think it's daily, daily discipline. So for me, every single day, every day, I mean, I did it this morning. I have things that I look at. I have my time of meditation and meditation for me uh, does. It, it is stillness, but it's not all stillness. The stillness part is to get all of the distractions out of the way. And then I go back to my strategy. I go back to my plan. There are things that, that I pray about every day, things that I cover in prayer. Then there are things that I know I'm supposed to be focused on in this particular season. There are things that, that I believe, you know, I'm a spiritual man, that I believe that God, you know, or life, however you want to describe it for you, but I feel like God has said something to me. And what, what has been said, am I moving toward what has been revealed? And so all of this happens every single day. And that keeps me in the rhythm of awareness. And so you have to work your disciplines. I think that consistency, first of all, it, it is the evidence of maturity. And, and maturity, maturity itself is being um, serious enough about your life and the fulfillment of your, your purpose, your calling, and your highest identity to work the disciplines every single day. And those disciplines change from people to people, or are there core disciplines that you think we all have? Love that. I think that they do change. I think it's both and. I think that they do change from person to person because we all are different. And what moves us, what gets us to where we need to be, what gets us to balance uh, is different. But I think that the one thing that we all have to do is stop. The one thing that we all have to do is get still to find out what those specific instructions are that lead us to our greatest self. Man, I agree with you on that. And I'm going over yeah. your routine here because you kind of let into it. 
And it's on what chapter is the routine on here? So people that are chiming in, by the way, get the nine. Book. Yeah, chapter nine, the balanced day. You go over your routine. You, you go over your exact routine from day to to from morning <laughs> to evening. But my favorite yeah. one is number two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is which is check in with Sarah. Tell me about that because um, I I smiled. Absolutely, she is my life partner. Although we are distinct individuals, we share a life. We literally do. We share a life. And which means that ultimately, if that she's not okay, if she's not okay, I'm not okay. And so I check in with her. How are you doing? Um, how are you feeling? What's today like? How can I serve you? Do we need to talk through some things? Because a lot of times you get so caught in your rhythm as a married person, or as a person in a relationship, that you forget that your rhythm is connected to your spouse's or your partner's rhythm. And so I want to check with her. Hey, how are you doing? Because listen, if we are a bicycle and her wheel is flat, we ain't going nowhere. <laughs> Dude, yeah, it's like, <laughs> what a great example. I'm going to use that you know one, I mean? Terry. That yeah, was please good. Do. Please do. <laughs> Dude, I love that. And man, look, this was a, a, and I mean this with respect, it was a surprise. I read a ton <laughs> of books, bro. This was a magnificent book. Uh, because wow. we overhear wow. the word balance so much mm. and mm-hmm. you caught me, you caught me off guard in a great mm-hmm. way because I was reading it and I was like, I've never, ever looked at balance this way. So thank you wow. for, for writing the book. And I was mm. full of questions for you. I can't wait for your next book, but everybody listening in, please pick up the book balance. It's, it's a great read, some good stories there. I like the stories. With the motorcycle, mm-hmm. I had no idea, right? Uh, oh, yeah. So, thanks, man. I, I really appreciate that. Thank you for doing that, and I hope you do amazing with this book. Thank you so much, Tristan. So glad to talk to you. We got to do it more. We do, man. Where do people follow you right now? Is it Instagram mainly, Facebook, YouTube? Where Where do we go? Uh, I'm everywhere: Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, YouTube, and all of them are at Torre T O U R E Roberts. And then go to thebalancebook.com to get information on the book balancebook.com and thebalancebook.com I'll put it in the show notes too and I'll I'll, I'll send those out to everybody thanks for being on man I appreciate you thank you let's connect more blessings those are all the brilliant thoughts that we have for you today if you like what you're hearing drop us a review or just tell your friends this has been a success podcast head to success.com slash podcast to hear more just like it